2: 700 WLW podcast. Catch Scott Sloan weekdays at 906 on 700 WLW.
3: 907 700 WLW Ken Bruin for Scott Sloan. Welcome back into the festivities. Just passed Mike McConnell on the way in. He wished me a happy weekend. I feel like I have to have one now. I'm not worried about Brian Price. Brian Price is going to be fine. He's going to be paid off for the rest of this year. He'll work again in baseball. Not really worried about Brian Price. Not worried about any of the players in the current Reds roster. They're going to get paid. They're going to get a fire lit under them, at least for the near future by Jim Riggleman. And then we'll see how that all filters out. What I really worry about is the Reds franchise. I worry about that because the opposite of love isn't hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And I sense a lot of that now in the wake of Brian Price's firing. He's become a sympathetic figure, which is not hard to be after only 18 games in a season. But this is a guy who delivered teams that lost 98 in 2015 and lost 94 each of the last two seasons. And they're not all Brian Price's fault. That's not his fault. Some of it, in-game decisions that didn't work out. Sure, every manager does that. But by and large, he wasn't dealt the same hand that was dealt to his predecessor. He wasn't even dealt a competitive hand for most of his tenure here. And I think fans are vir- – you, you can't fool the fans. I think fans are smart. And I think they smell something's up here. And it's not all, let Brian Price go, everything else will be good. I worry about the Reds franchise. I worry about where it is right now, despite the fact that a lot of people think that their farm system is in pretty good shape. Well, good. Where the players been the last five to seven years? That's a big question I think a lot of Reds fans would like to see – answered we turn to uh, a guy that covers baseball for a living he writes for mlb.com he's on the mlb network and he has a terrific podcast that he co-hosts with richard justice the morning lineup podcast all about baseball and he's a good ohio guy who went to the harvin on the hocking river anthony castor and he joins us now to talk about this and the bigger picture of where all of this is going for the cincinnati reds anthony good morning thank you so much for joining us Good morning, Ken. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about price. I'm not worried about Votto. I'm not worried about Suarez. They're all going to get paid. I worry about this franchise that has been adrift uh, for most of the last 15 years. There was a time in 12 to 20, 2010 and 2012 when it looked like it was pretty good. But I'm worried about this, Anthony, because this is a great baseball town, and I'm not sure that the fans here, nor do I, see great baseball on the horizon. Should we be concerned?
4: Well, yeah, I think there's concern from the standpoint that when a team goes through a major rebuild like the Reds did and needed to do at that point, just with expiring assets like, you know, Johnny Cueto and Jay Bruce and what have you, you know, you just want to see steady progress. I think fans understand, and there's many markets going through this right now where fans can comprehend and understand the value of blowing things up and starting over again and rebuilding something special. And you can see the fruits of that with, you know, Houston and Chicago the last two years. But, you know, when when the progress is not steady, I mean, the, the bottom line, Ken, is that there's so many teams going through that all at once and not all of those rebuild product, projects are going to work out as planned. Just mm-hmm. mathematically, they can't. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's frustrating when, you know, it's not that forward trajectory. And what we saw, what we've seen so far, it's only a few weeks of the season, but obviously it was enough uh, of the season for the Reds to make the move they did yesterday. Um, I mean that was certainly a backward trajectory, you know, yeah. uh, a three and fifteen start. So that that's where it's frustrating.
3: You know, Anthony, uh, we we saw instant death with with Houston and with Chicago. I mean, it was just boom. Uh, this thing is this thing is over. We're going to dig ourselves out of this hole. This has been here. It's just been a, a a long bleed with this franchise, and they you know they 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 hold on to these players because they think fans are going to want to come see Johnny Cueto pitch or Mike Leake pitch or Todd Frazier hit, and then they get to a point where they have to trade them. They're at the deadline. The rest of the league knows they have to trade them, and so they don't get full value for these players. And in the case of Zach Cozart, they get nothing immediately and a yeah. draft pick down the road. It just seems to be bad baseball business. Yeah, I mean, the, the Cozart situation
4: did not uh, go very well at all. Um, they have made some good trades or, or- – trades that they can prove to be good. I mean, Luis Castillo for Dan Straley could be a good one for them in the long haul, but um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been hit or miss, and it's it's probably too early to judge the Dick Williams uh, portion of, of the proceedings. You know, he's only been in charge there for about a year and a half, if I'm not mistaken, so yeah. um, you know, so so. But, but what it comes down to, though, Ken, is when a move is made like the one they made yesterday when you fire a manager, I mean, that, and you alluded to this, this has nothing to do with with Brian Price's bullpen management or, or what have you. I mean, when you have a minus 48 run differential, there's no, uh, there's no manager that could save that. Yeah. Um, it's an organizational failure. It just is. Um, and, and it's just, you know, he's the fall guy. And it's always the case with the manager. The manager is a fall guy for bigger issues. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I will say that, you know, and I thought this is how dumb I am. So this is, I don't know why you have me on your program. Cause I <laughs> no thought cool. going into the season that the reds, uh, had a little, you know, it could be a little frisky this year. I'm not, not a contender by any means, yeah. but just a, a team that could start to keep other teams in that division honest, just because, uh, and I, I still feel this way. Just They do have a lot of young pitching that, that could gel, and we saw some strides from those guys in the second half last season. Um, they had a good lineup last year, and you lose Cozart, of course, to free agency, but, you know, it, it could have been like a, and can be like a league average lineup. Um, so just, it could be a solid club. It's just, uh, Boy, I, this brutal start is something that, that, that catches me off guard. I know it catches them off guard based on the, the second-half strides last year. Um, you know, I understand why they made the move with Price. I, I guess it's easy to say now, well, then why didn't you just do it at the end of last season? But, you know, there was some momentum going on there. But, I mean, for me, the bottom line is that in these rebuild projects, You never get through it with just one manager. It it never happens that way. Look how many managers the Astros and the Cubs burn through um, and and they're rebuilt. So, uh, you know, it's unfortunate for Brian Price.
3: I would like to hear from the top, from the owner on down, to say that word, to say we are rebuilding and that we're going to look at all avenues how to make this team better and, and then do it. I mean, Anthony, it almost seems like they throw a bunch of stuff up against the wall and see what sticks. They've had in the last 504 games that they played, they've started a rookie pitcher 254 times. And it's (laughs) to me, it's it's one thing to say, well, you know, we're going to win again or we're going to be good again. It's another thing to say, look, we know this thing is is messed up six ways to Sunday. We're going to fix it. And this is how we're going to fix it. And stick with us because this is the plan on how we're going to fix it. And I, you know, other than occasional appearances on talk shows or Reds rallies on a caravan or something like that, you never hear anybody explain that. And I, I don't think I think this. I I I know you're an Ohio guy. Ohio, uh, the baseball fans in this town are smart fans. They know hmm. you can't fool these people down here. They've been, they've been at it too long hmm. in the fan business. And I just think that I just think that just some solid, you know take that first step of the 12 steps and just say okay we we screwed this thing up here's how we're going to fix it and and i think until that i think you're going to have what you had last weekend the cardinals in town for four games only 65,000 people show up to watch the cardinals here for four games i i just think there's power in 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 uh, i just think there's a lot of power in self self accountability and i think they need a little bit of that right now well,
4: listen. I live in Cleveland, where it took fans a long time to stop going to Browns games. <laughs> so I don't know, but uh and, and it took an 0 16 parade uh, for, for <laughs> to finally uh, make some major moves. So we'll see. But yeah. um, you know, the, the problem with the Reds, the Reds have had no traction in large measure because of injuries, and I don't know if that's a systemic thing or just pure bad luck. But you know, it, it's really it, it's really hard to. To, to make significant organizational strides when, I mean, you talk about the number of pitchers they've burned through. Actually, my, my friend Trent Rosecrans, uh, on the athletic at a stat, you know, 28 different starting pitchers since the trade deadline of 28 yeah. of 2015. That's yeah. staggering. I know. Um, and, and that, and so much of that is injury related. Even this year, you know, they, they expected to have Dees and, and, and Finnegan from the start and, um, you know, and, and Homer Bailey for the first time in a long time. And, um, but when that's, when that's your best hope is just, you know, help from from guys who have been routinely banged up. You know that that's not very good. You're behind eight ball from the beginning. Do so, you,
3: do you think they should have gone the route of the Astros or the route of the Cubs? The Astros more so because uh, the Astros just took this thing down to you know ground yeah. level. I mean, there, there's uh, you're asking your fans to buy a lot into that. I think they had four seasons that where they lost in excess of one hundred and seven hundred and ten games. Uh, this is, I mean, you're, we're now en route to a season where there will be losses at the very least into the high 90s. I mean, we're we're marching down that path. Why not, you know, was that a mistake not doing that after that 2013 season when it didn't work out, Dusty Baker was fired, and you had a lot of expiring contracts?
4: Yeah, I think it's easy in hindsight to say that. Um, and part of that is, you know, there's been a kind of a change in regime within the regime, but which is unusual um because you know they did basically you know dick williams did uh, eventually take over the the day-to-day baseball duties from walt Jockety, um so maybe you have two different mindsets within the same organization but um but yeah i mean they had they had some big con they're on the hook for some huge contracts at that point the brandon phillips extension um you know the joey Votto extension obviously is, is a huge one and, and joey has been reluctant to uh you know, to even entertain the idea of, of waving as no trade, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so you're kind of, you know, when you paint yourself into a corner like that in a in a mid market, it's difficult. You know, so there's the whole trying to rebuild and contend at the same time. They're not totally guilty of that. I, I think there's been acknowledgement of, you know, in the last couple of years that this is a transitional period, but at the same time. You know, being on the hook with some of these contracts, you, you got to kind of live with them as opposed to totally ripping it down to studs, which is sometimes going to be a fruitful thing for a club when you start, uh, you know, compiling those, those high draft picks. But, you know, to that point, I think they've drafted pretty well and, and Senzel and, and Hunter Green, uh, could be studs for these guys in the not terribly distant future. Um, they probably haven't done as well internationally as they have done domestically. Um, you know, so that could be an issue, but. Um, their farm system is strong, you know. And, and again, to me it's about – I guess that's the, the chief disappointment of the Brian Price era. And, and, again, not all of this is his fault because of injuries like we just mentioned, but the chief disappointment is just you want to see steps forward on the pitching front. And this is obviously a pitching-minded manager. Um, and, you know, so far this season it's a very small sample, but I thought they would make meaningful strides from that group. Um, I saw some things in spring training that I really liked, Tyler Mailey, um in particular. And, and and Castillo, I, I think it would be really good for them. But you've know, you got to see a larger sample before you know what you have in those guys.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Anthony, it, uh, it's always great catching up with you. Anthony Castrovitz, MLB Network, MLB.com, and his podcast, The Morning Lineup Podcast, with an old buddy of mine from my D.C. days, Richard Justice. Ask Richard if he still remembers me, because I still remember him. And he's got a long memory, so I'm sure <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. Yeah. 32 players made their MLB debut in the last three years. A rookie pitcher has started 254 of the last 504 games. Just let that sink in. The worst thing you can ask anybody that runs any company is, what's the plan? I'd like to know. Would you like to know? I'm going to open up the phone lines. Brian Price has begun this day, as a sympathetic figure, he is getting lots of love all over the country and lots of hugs here in Cincinnati from some people who would just be happy to see him walk and go away and never come back. But I think in the light of a new day, we see that this team has the same problems it had five minutes before Brian Price got fired. Seven four nine seven thousand. 7000 1 800, the big one. Pound 700 on 18. 18- it is Ryan here, and I have a
2: question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
3: that is the fabric of our our city. It is woven into the fabric of our city. It has delivered nothing since 2013. Nothing. And I want to know if you feel confident about where this is all marching towards, or would you have rather have seen a complete blow-up, start it from the ground, and build it up from there? I'm going to your phone calls next. And then I'll have some thoughts about where I think this thing can go and how it can be saved. 920 News Radio 700 WLW. 700 WLW Ken Brew for Scott Sloan. We've got some breaking news, some breaking traffic news. Let's go to Chuck Ingram. Chuck, what's going on? Uh, Good morning, Ken.
1: I wanted to keep your listeners informed of a couple of problems in pretty much in the same area right now. I'm looking at an accident eastbound 275 at Montgomery Road. The entire highway was shut down, but now just in the last 30 seconds or so, traffic is starting to move again in the two center lanes. You still have plenty of emergency crews on the scene on the left and on the right. And that to an accident on southbound 71 near the Reagan Highway, where traffic is backing up to Field Zertle. It's making for a very slow go right now through Blue Ash. I'll have more in just a few minutes during the news. All right, Chuck, thank you very
3: a mess on the highway, but uh, obviously stay away from 275 eastbound near Montgomery Road. My guess is westbound you got some gawkers looking over there too, so might be a good place to avoid for the next few minutes. Seven uh, four nine seven thousand one eight hundred the big one pound seven hundred on AT and T. I'm opening up the full lines because I want to hear whether or not you feel that this franchise is really at some point working its way into indifference. I don't sense the hue and outcry over the firing of Brian Price, and I'm looking at attendance as well. Jason is in Edgewood and wants to lead things off today. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Ken? All right, Jason.
5: Hey, man, I, I just, I've been listening the last couple of days, and honestly, man, you put a lipstick on a pig, man, still a pig. You know, this team's not very good. Their players aren't very good. You know, they got 50% of their payroll. It's in three players, and that's a Rocco, Bailey, and um, Votto. And, I mean, like you said, man, they just haven't been good. They haven't, you know, the, the guys that they brought up haven't, haven't produced. And, um, you know, injuries, you know, how much better would they be if you had Suarez and Shevler in the lineup, maybe three or four more wins if that well,
3: yeah i, I mean, mean i mean their their absence has certainly contributed to a lack of production but but yeah, I mean their collection their outfield is a collection of of fourth and fifth outfielders on exactly. a contending team exactly, and it's
5: just they don't have good players that's the bottom line. I mean who's ever evaluating talent for the Reds should have been fired, not Brian price? I mean, he's just dealt with the hand he's dealt. I mean, and he's got to play it. Yeah. And, I mean, frankly, everybody in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, we all, we're all fans. We're not stupid. Like you said, we, we know what's up. Yeah. I mean, they're just they're, they're putting a crappy team on the field.
3: Yeah, I mean, and, and Jason, thanks for the phone call. You can't fool the fans. I mean, you can't. I'm more concerned about indifference. I'm going to get into that next. Phone lines are open. As a matter of fact, got one open. For you, 749 thousand one eight hundred, the big one, pound 700 on AT&T. The Cincinnati Reds, if the opposite of love is indifference and not hate, are we moving in that direction? Is this becoming Bengal-esque circa 1999? Back with more next on 700 WLW. 700 WLW, Ken Bruin for Scott Sloan. Listening to this song reminds me that sad news about uh, Lindsey Buckingham getting kicked out of Fleetwood Mac. Jason Nathanson and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, and he's going to join us here with the latest in entertainment news coming up today at 1035. I want to ask him about a movie that's, that's out right now that I, I got to see. It's called A Quiet Place. Uh, seven, four, nine, 800, the big one pound 700 on AT&T. Look, I, 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 I've said this many times before and I'll say it again. I am not a, I am not a fan. I can't afford to be a fan in the line of work I'm in because if I'm a fan of a team, the Reds, the Bengals, UC Xavier, I then lose credibility. I lose it with the fans of that team and I lose it with the fans of other teams. Fans want affirmation. Fans don't want information. They want affirmation. They want to be told that what they believe is true. And when you come in with information, sometimes fans don't like that. Fans don't like to be told that their favorite player isn't very good. Fans don't like to be told that their team really isn't all that great and isn't going to win anything. For example, the NFL schedule came out last night. And it's a fool's game to go down and look at, at, at what's scheduled for this time, at this time of the year, and see what games are playing and put wins, loss, wins next to it. It's a, it's, it's a dumb game to play because you have no idea what the health of that team is going to be for games in November and December, and conversely what the health of the opponents will be in November and December. But it came out last night, and I looked at it, and I said, this I don't sense the Bengals are going to win a Super Bowl this year. I don't, And I think if anybody would suggest that right now, they would be committed. I don't sense the Bengals are going to go to the playoffs next year. But fans don't want that. They want to be affirmed. They want to be told, yeah, we can win. Yeah, we're going to win that. Too. So, okay, so I get that. That's why I don't play the fan game. But I will confess this. I like it when the Reds do well. I like it for a number of reasons. First of all, my kids are Reds fans, big Reds fans. When they were little, we would go to the games together, and they got hooked. Hooked. Now my 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 daughter's favorite player, she's in her 30s now, but her favorite player was Sean Casey. She loved Sean Casey. She thought th- Sean Casey hung the moon. She had a jersey that had Casey's name, number on it and all that. Thought she was fantastic. My son's favorite player on the Reds, to this day, is Eric Davis. He thought Eric Davis was just great. Well, he thought that because those were, and for my, my daughter too, they were some of the first players that they ever saw. And we'd go to the games, and we'd root, and we'd cheer, and they'd have a good time. But I was never a Reds fan. But I wanted them to do well for my kids. I wanted them to do well for the merchants that are so dependent on that kind of business doing well. Not not the merchants inside the stadium. That's a captive audience. They're going to do well one way or the other. But for the restaurants that are downtown, for the little shops that sell whatever, ice cream or coffee, or maybe a place you go and get a drink after a game, I, wanted the, I want the Reds to do well so they succeed. And so when I say that I'm not a fan, I am in a sense because the better the Reds do the better those merchants do. Then the better we do. And there's more and diverse kinds of things for us to do in downtown. That's our core business. We don't have a theater district like New York that brings a lot of people downtown. We don't even have a movie theater downtown. Living downtown is something that's only, that's become trendy in the last 15 years. So we don't have a lot of you know, retail shopping downtown that you can't find in other places. Little by little, these boutiques are popping up. Little by little, these standalone businesses are popping up. But it's tough downtown. Macy's closed its only store downtown. It's tough. Downtown shopping, downtown uh, merchants will tell you that it's tough to make a buck down there. And then when you have a baseball team, which is your core business, which is kind of your theater district that they have in like in New York City, when that's tanking, it affects, it affects everything. So I want the Reds to do well. My fear is that we're drifting into apathy about the Reds. The opposite of love isn't hate. The opposite of love is apathy. And it happened in this town with the Bengals for many, many, many years. An entire generation grew up without seeing winning football therefore not buying Bengals gear, therefore not buying into the team, and therefore the Bengals, despite having a nice run of five years here not too long ago, are digging out of the hole with a whole group of fans that should be rooting for them, that should be going to their games. And I I fear that's where the Reds are going. It seems like it's, it's hopeless right now. 98 losses in 2015, 94 losses the last two years, and this team is on track for over, well over, 100 losses this year. And that kills a lot of things that make this town great. I don't want fans to be apathetic about their baseball team. When Brian Price, when the manager was fired yesterday, He got sympathy from a lot of corners. The fire Brian Price crowd seemed to be silent yesterday. Maybe it's because they got what they wanted. I don't know. But it seems to me that there's a lot out there that were like, eh, what does it matter? Eh, they're no good. And there's no light then at the end of the tunnel. No hope. No reason to believe that, okay, this could be the first step or it could be one of a series of steps that will get this this team back on track. I sense that there are a lot of folks that have just given up on it. And that's a real problem. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is not caring. So do you still care about this team? Are you still someone that believes that if this team does the right things over the course of the next year to 18 months, and I don't just mean getting new players or making trades, but takes a serious look about how it goes about its core business from the major league level through its minor league system, looking not just at players they draft, but who's coaching these players, who's preparing these players, who is grooming these players, who is imparting the will of the club on these players, that this is the way you play the game of baseball. I'd like to hear from somebody that you're still with it. Because if they lose you, it's awfully tough to get you back. Any business will tell you, particularly a service business, if they lose you, you've got to work twice as hard to get you back one thousand one eight hundred the big one pound seven hundred on AT and T. We'll go to the phone calls next. Uh, Terry, Bob, Michael, Brian, Jim, Frank, stand by. We'll go to your phone calls next on News Radio seven hundred WLW. Nine fifty two. We've got uh, new information on Prince's death. We'll get to that at ten oh six. John Cruz is going to join us. talking about the Reds right now, and what I sense is indifference to this team, and that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. Let's start off with Terry in Kettering, Ohio. Terry, welcome to the show.
6: Hi, Ken. How are you today? All right, Terry. Well, I had a few things to say. First one is Cincinnati is steep in baseball history, yes. and I think that Castellini should be ashamed of the team that he has put out on the field this season. I've been a Reds fan for 52 years, and to go back what you were saying a few minutes ago, i'm probably not going to go to a game this year without you know it's a good time and whatnot but without a chance you just think there's no chance that the reds are going to
3: win i think it was eye-opening last saturday where they gave away a bobblehead and even though it was not great weather in fact it was lousy weather only 19,000 people showed up and there were far less than those in the stands when the game actually began yep and, and you know when you got the game's going and
0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
6: You got two men on, nobody out, and the next three guys can't even get a fly ball to to move the runners or try to get somebody home. I mean, it's just it's just terrible. Yeah. It's it's you know, me and my friends have said the same thing. We'll always be Reds fans, but whether we spend our money on them anymore. I, that's doubtful until they put something on the field that, you know, you have a chance to win. I mean, you go down and eat a, a $8 hot dog and $10 beer or whatever you you at least make the game close, 3-2, yeah. you, you know, know, something.
3: Yeah, Terry, thanks for the call. You know what the, the, these are these are things we heard about the Bengals back in the 90s and the early 2000s. I mean, this is these the, the change the team, the verbiage is the same. Jim, you're you're in traffic. Is that what I'm understanding here? I was, I broke through yeah. oh, so, finally up Up there at 275, huh? Through that whole mess? Yeah, Yeah,
7: it's opening up now, so it's all good. Good. Hey, a couple things, Ken. I'll make it quick. Uh, Fly by night Reds fans, take a hike, man. You know, I I grew up uh, seven, eight, nine years old during the Big Red Machine, always be a Reds fan. It's always an experience to go down to the stadium and watch the game. I'm going to take my grandson down there. He doesn't care if they win or lose. He's going to enjoy the game. He's going to love the Reds.
3: So you, so, you, you don't sense, uh, at least from you, I sense no indifference. Uh, you know, everybody loves a winner, but you know what? Yeah. It,
7: it'll come back around. It's yeah. going to come back around, and everybody's going to jump back on the bandwagon, and everybody's going to love the Reds again.
3: So I love my, your optimism, Jim. I really do. I love your It's tough to be optimistic in this in these times.
7: Eh, what are you going to do, man? You what are you going to be a Tampa Bay fan? Uh, Come on. Whatever. But yeah, hey, or get, my, my, get stuck in traffic, main, huh? You get stuck in <laughs> traffic. My main question is, Ken, why does it take so long? I mean, it's kind of a rudimentary question, but why does it take so long for the players to develop in the minor leagues and uh, you know, spring training, you know, it, it's why is it so different than basketball? and football um it's I
3: a, it, it's the most difficult sport to develop talent and and uh, the reasons are many largely a lot of these the, the the talent you're developing is younger than what it is in basketball and football a lot of the talent comes right out of high school so there's that factor the other factor too is it's just the basics of playing the game you have to put a round bat on a round ball and that's that's difficult it's not just a ball that you throw somewhere. It is a round bat on a round ball. And the third the third factor in all of it is that you have, uh, through in pitching, you have a lot of, of pitchers that simply have to learn how to throw a ball mechanically correct and not the way they were throwing it in high school and how they have to build arm strength up to throw the ball as hard as they have to throw it with as much velocity as they need to throw it at the major league level. And along the way... Through that learning process, you have injuries, you have setbacks. Very few pitchers make it from the minors to the majors without some sort of arm malady. And once they get here, you know, there, there are surgeries and muscle pulls and muscle tears to deal with. It's just, it's just a really difficult sport to deal with because there are so many different muscle groups involved in playing it.
7: Yeah, well, with the pitchers, I can definitely understand that. <clears throat> uh, you know, they're throwing harder than ever before and but you know everybody else you know hit the ball run the bases catch the ball yeah Come i mean on. i mean
3: it is but it is it's 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 it, it really is i mean if you watch it and watch it compared to football and basketball it's it really is the most difficult of the four to find talent and then cultivate that talent and get it to the major league level but having said all that the reds haven't done a very good job of that in the last five to seven years jack is in fairfield township jack welcome to the show
5: yeah hey jen first time i talked to always uh Enjoy your comments and stuff. You do a great job, nice everybody. Job.
3: Appreciate it.
5: Hey, listen, uh, I'm 62, and I grew up in 60s, 70s with uh, the Browns and the Bengals and the Great Red Machine and everything. And it just seems like the players were such a, a different breed back then. And I, for me, I've, I've I've lost my interest in baseball, basketball, football. It just just seems like there's such an elitism anymore. The players protesting and. All this money and everything—I don't know. I, 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 it, the game is it's not fun for me anymore.
3: Well, you know what's—you know, Jack. I don't know what you do for a living or did for a living or what kind of lifestyle I, you have. I'm but, a contractor. I have my own business. Okay. Well, then uh, I think you know you're you're an average guy just like me. I think yeah. I think I think I've always thought the more money that you make, the better off you are in life. The more distant you are from reality and what the reality of life is. And I think that's where. The modern day athlete is, whether it's baseball, football, or basketball. It used to be these guys live right in your town. Now there's nobody that I know of that's on the Reds roster that lives in the off season in Cincinnati. Same with the Bengals. There might be one here, one there, but they all scatter in the off season such as it is in football. I just think it's I just yeah, it is elitism, but it's the way everything is in life. I think the more more money you make, the farther out from the city you live, the more opulent you live and you identify less with the Comings and goings of the people that just are working hand check to mouth to make things go.
5: Well, well, Ken. Hey, maybe, maybe we should make this requirement. You know, it, you know, if you're a city manager or if you're a police chief or what have you, you have to live in the the, the city. Maybe we should require them to live in the city.
3: Well, good luck on that. <laughs> yeah, well, if that's you, if not going to happen. If, I understand if you, if you that, can Robert. figure that out, Jack, you let me know. Meanwhile, I just employed a basketball term. It's not hand check to mouth; it's paycheck to mouth. But that's okay. I wasn't very good defensively anyway. Here's Bob in Cheviot. Hello, Bob.
7: Hi, Ken. Love listening to you. Wish you could be on every day. Well, hey, uh, I'm not a big Jim Riegelman fan. I'd rather see Corky Miller, but you know what? Um, Brian Price, I think we should have kept him. Uh, if you look at the last four games, I think our starting pitching is starting to come around. They've had some quality starts. And I think once it gets warm and Botto comes around and Duvall yeah. and we get squares back and our starting pitching, uh, we could very easily go to a 15 and 3 record uh, in an 18 game period. And I I think we can end up, honestly, at the end of the year, be 81 and 81.
3: Bob, would you do me a favor? Yes. Whatever you put on your Wheaties this morning, will you send me some here to 700-WLW? Because I need that, okay? If sure. it's If it's an illegal substance, get a mule and have the mule drop it off. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. 10 o'clock, News Radio, 700-WLW. 1006 News Radio, 700-WLW. Scott Sloan out, Ken Brew in, um... Apparently now prosecutors up in Minnesota are um, are ready to make an announcement into their two-year investigation into the death of Prince, who uh, has di- who died, uh, yeah, it's been a couple of years now, from an accidental opioid overdose. And uh, a report that came out in March showed that there were high concentrations in Prince's body of fentanyl. Uh, it was uh, found in the blood, liver, and stomach. In fact, it was exceedingly high is the way it goes. Anyway, search warrants that were unsealed about a year ago showed Prince. uh, They they searched his home, cell phone, email accounts, trying to determine how he got the drug. I mean, yeah, how did he get the drug? We've had John Cruz on uh, several times here in the last couple of months, and he is just terrific. Expert on opioids. He has uh, founded a company called ProveIt.com, and uh, not only founded it, he's the CEO John, good morning. Thank you so much again for joining us. We appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank uh, you. Uh, fentanyl. Why would someone, anyone, anywhere have access to fentanyl?
8: Fentanyl is a, a legitimate drug when taken the right way. Uh, it's a very, very powerful opioid. There's a big spectrum of it to try and compare it to something for to get you know, arms around this. It, I mean, in many cases, it can be about 100 times as powerful as morphine. Oh. But so, I mean, these are patients typically that are in tremendous pain. So oftentimes we see this in uh, extraordinary cases of chronic care or cancer patients. There's also another medication called carfentanil, which is 10 times stronger. It's a 1,000 times, and that's a veterinarian drug. That's used to to sedate elephants, and that's starting to make its way out too. But fentanyl coming out of China usually – uh and under these counterfeit pills is is very hard to detect and is extraordinarily dangerous
3: well so uh, if you go to a doctor let's just say i go to a doctor i say doc i'm in severe pain i had knee surgery six seven years ago this and that i mean he wouldn't start you off on fentanyl
8: would he Uh, absolutely not Uh, the the prescribing guidelines and methodology on this is it's pretty detailed so you, you, you know, you don't jump all the way to the, the deep end of the pool if you've never learned to swim, and on the same token, from an opioid perspective, if you're opioid naive and you've never had one and you've got some lingering pain, there's so many things that we need to do before we go to an opioid, much less one of the strongest opioids out there. So no, it's it's, it's not going to be the first call to action by by any credible
3: physician. So no, no criminal charges are going to be filed over his death. The announcement was made yesterday, but... Uh, what I found interesting is, is uh, the DA up there in, in the county where Prince lived. He said, in all likelihood, Prince had no idea he was taking a counterfeit pill that could kill him. Um, I didn't sense that Prince was a dumb guy. He was a smart guy. He knew what, what tastes were in entertainment and music. How could somebody, where would he get a counterfeit pill? This had a, it couldn't have come from a legitimate doctor, could have.
8: It's, you're bringing up some great points, and one of the things that Prince was known for, very clean, right? So he was anti-alcohol. He worked out religiously. He uh, he had a strong mind, body, and spirit, and I think that's one of the things that drew fans to him. And these counterfeit pills are near impossible to detect. For instance, uh, just for some info in the background, that there are oftentimes there's two main sources that they are manufactured. There's Mexico and, and China. And they're manufactured the same way that any other prescription pill are. So they can put the same color, the same size, the same shape, the same mass as a regular, let's say, prescription hydrocodone or oxycon, which he was prescribed, and the same imprinting devices. So, uh, you know, that pill might have a certain letter or a certain number on it. And to the eye, you can't tell the difference. And as far as the sources to get these, I was, it was very telling what what some of the people came out and said yesterday when they decided not to, to press. Uh, you know, clearly these aren't going through FDA approved um, vendors, so there's there's another source that's at play. I don't think we know what that source is yet. They haven't released that source, but the probability that you're going to get this from your physician or your pharmacist is about it's very close to zero. I don't understand how that would would get mixed into the supply.
3: Well, apparently um, there was an announcement. Be uh, like the the feds made an announcement. Uh, a couple of hours before the DA up in Minnesota came out and said there would be no criminal charges filed. But the Fed right. reached a settlement with some doctor who was accused of illegally prescribing this for Prince. And it only cost this dude $30,000 in a fine. How does that happen?
8: Yeah, so there's, there's two things that are concerning to me with with that, right? So if I... Have a if there's a patient out there and he has an opioid prescription written in his name and he provides that pill to another person, that's a fe- that's a felony. It's called diversion. As a, as a licensed physician, if that person writes a prescription to somebody else, that's also a a big concern. And so. There must be some fact that they're not disclosing as to why, but, but as I understood it, the punishment for him is two years of monitoring, any more mistakes, and he loses his DEA license where he won't be able to prescribe scheduled narcotics any longer, right. and a $30,000 fine. So the only, I think the only glimmer that they were looking at is the per- particular prescription that the physician wrote to Prince's friend and bodyguard mm-hmm. is not the medication that killed him. I, I suppose that If it had taken that pill instead and it killed him, it would be a different story. But at the end of the day, I don't understand how you can write a prescription to somebody else. Um, I hope the physician, uh, you know, he well, there was a statement that said he was trying to guard Prince's privacy. So I think his heart was in the right place to try and help his patient. But the actions, that's up to a lawyer, allegedly. It's... It's tough. Yeah, it's it's tough. It, 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 it is. Above.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's at the very least ethic, ethically in gray area. But I think the headline in all of this, uh, John, every time we talk to you, is this. You've got to know what you're putting in your body.
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for
3: details. And just because okay. something is prescribed to you to help you deal with pain, it doesn't mean you have to take that. It means that your doctor wrote you a script. And even the, mm-hmm. the, the, this stuff is so, uh, you know, again, getting away from fentanyl, which as we described as a... You know I mean, you've got to really be a long way down the road to in pain and probably on death's doorstep to take it. But the bottom line is is opioids are things that, although they're not completely restricted the way they should be from a government standpoint, you are still responsible for yourself, and if you start taking those things, know that there may be a problem with you long term getting hooked on them.
8: Yeah, you bring up a, a really brilliant point, and I hope that uh, sometime soon we, we can dive into this part as well, the, the point of you know being restrictive from the government perspective. We just came across some new data last week, our company did, on we analyzed the restricting of opioids and the overdose death count. And what we found is for the last eight years, we've been restricting and lowering prescripting rates and the amount of opioids a person can take per day. But the death rate has been skyrocketing those same eight years. And so I don't see any correlation in the data yet that suggests where we're going with reducing that prescribing rate will save lives. And it goes to what you said. If you don't look at it from a prevention perspective, if you don't understand the ins and outs of everything you're putting in your body and how those medicines interact with each other, there's no way to make this uh, medication round safer. Yeah,
3: John, I know you got to go. You're a busy guy because of what uh, what happened yesterday and uh, the announcement. We appreciate it. Thank you again for joining us on 700 WLW.
8: My pleasure. Thank you very much.
3: So this is the deal: no criminal charges filed over the death of Prince. And again, it's Prince. He's an entertainer, and I know he's a celebrity. I mean, I get all that. Got it. You know, I mean, the death of a celebrity is. You know, how much more tragic is that than the death of just someone else that 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 has this problem? It's it's not, nor should it be. The death of a life is the same, whether it's Prince, whether it's you, whether it's me, whether it's the guy down the street. But no criminal charge is filed against the doctor that prescribed this. Now just think about this for a second. You know, I don't know if the DA really wanted to uh, drag this out. I have no idea what his his litigation tastes are up there, maybe he thought this is look, I'm not going to win this case if I take. I mean, the, the way it works in 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 these kinds of things is the DA's DA got to know what what are my chances of winning this in front of a jury. Well, you got a doctor up there, and the guy's name is uh, I want to make sure we get that out, Doctor Michael Todd Schulenberg. Uh, He told uh, the cops up there that he had prescribed an oxycodone-based prescription opioid to Prince on April 14th of the year that Prince died, so just a couple of years ago, and put it under the name of Prince's bodyguard and his friend, Kirk Johnson, for quote-unquote Prince's privacy. In all forms of, of, of legality, that's wrong. You, it would be like me going to my doctor and saying, you know, Doc, I got I got problems sleeping at night, and I need a really good dose of Ambien. And then taking that prescription and getting it filled, and having my my wife or my sister take it, or for that doctor to know that that's the reason why. I think that's the key. The doctor knew what i did with it may be illegal but if the doctor knew then that's legal jeopardy for the doctor and all this guy gets are no criminal charges filed locally up in minnesota and the feds find him 30 grand now we'll see what prince's estate does my guess is you know i mean it's like it's when somebody dies and they die a wrongful death the lawsuits never stop so we'll see if we'll see if if prince's estate goes after uh, this guy, Prince's estate has been basically fighting over Prince's money since he died, so my guess is that could be a cash trail right there. So they may they may focus now on this doctor that's up there. But again, it doesn't matter really what that doctor prescribed. It doesn't, doesn't really matter the fact that he wrote out an illegal prescription. That's on him. What's on you and what's on me is if you're prescribed something, know what that something is before you put it in your body and what the ramifications will be. If you take that drug, unfortunately, this drug is so powerful from what I'm told that once you start, it's really hard to stop. And that's why people like John Cruz exist and why these addiction clinics exist. This is a real big deal. We know that. But for God's sake, if somebody writes you a prescription, nobody says you got to take it. Nobody. That's up to you. 1018-700-WLW. 700 700-WLW. 700 Ken Bruin for Scott Sloan. Can't believe this has been 35 years. 35 years. At, uh, 1999, the album came out. Which was kind of... Uh, I mean, I love 1999, but the next album was Purple Rain, and that was like the one that defined Prince. Now, this was one of the uh, the cuts off. This Prince singing. There's a guy named Des Dickerson who was part of the Revolution uh, who sings background vocals but has a great guitar solo in this as we uh, talk about Prince and ODing and opioids and all that. And what you should put in your body is what you know you put in your body, not what someone tells you to. I mean, that's like rule number one with drugs. So, flog the phones on that. Let's go to the great city of Muncie, Indiana, and Jace is standing by. Jace, welcome to the show.
10: Thank you. It's my first time calling for you.
3: Well, don't be scared.
10: Okay. Well, I was just going to say you make a, a really good point about knowing what drugs you're putting in your body. It don't matter what it is. Um, I've actually never taken medicine in, in two full decades, but last year I had to because I had a staph infection. Mm-hmm. I had to swallow my pride and do it. But um, I also kind of wondered about um, when Michael Jackson died, didn't they say that his thing was an overdose, too, or did you not know anything about that?
3: Yeah, that's what they said. Basically, you know, Jackson O D. So I mean it's sure, yeah.
10: yeah I mean I, I guess if you're a rock
3: star you got a lot of money and you know, unfortunately, people with a lot of time and a lot of money find the wrong things to do.
10: Yeah. Yeah, I kinda wondered if maybe that was to plant planet in there or maybe if it wasn't the doctor doing that maybe somebody else kind of did that to well, it, get rid of these guys it, it
3: could be well i think prince, well who knows i mean who knows uh, intent but prince's problem apparently had chronic pain now sometimes chronic pain just becomes you know you 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 just become chronic pain and you you don't know how to deal with it and sometimes it's legit but they say that's why prince was taking this stuff
10: yeah and that's why you make a good point about knowing what you're putting in your body just because a doctor writes it some of this stuff doesn't really cure the problem; it just masks the pain, kind of like what marijuana does, in well, a
3: sense. Well, that's it. I mean, if you're, if, if something hurts you, right? It's not. It's it, it get at what hurts you, as opposed to what you know masks what's hurting you. And maybe sometimes you can't look. Um, you know, I, uh, my first wife died of cancer and she was in pain at the end. I mean, it's just like, there's just things that, that you, that you have to deal with. And, and so you deal with it medically and it was a terminal situation and that's where a lot of this stuff is used. I just don't understand why Prince needed fentanyl because he certainly was in no danger of dying from anything
10: else. Yeah, you're right on all your points and I really appreciate your call. All
3: right, Chase. Thank you. You called me, but that's all right. What's By the way, could someone explain to me what's going on in Mason? Didn't they, they like, lose a kid on a school bus the other day? Like an elementary school kid? Kid fell asleep on the bus. Nobody knew it. They couldn't find a kid. Well, now, according to the Facebook page for Mason Schools, they arrested a Mason High School student who made a nonspecific threat in a Mason High School bathroom. So on their Facebook page yesterday... They said that there would be robust law enforcement presence at all Mason schools today. And then apparently last night, the Mason cops arrested a Mason High School student who posted, again, a nonspecific threat in a Mason High School bathroom. What, what's going on in the bathrooms? And then in the middle school, in the middle school at Mason, I love Mason. Mason's a great town uh there 's a kid that faces legal consequences after standing up on a bus yesterday and saying he was going to shoot up the school today and uh, so the cops are out in full force at all of these mason uh schools today but what's what 's going on they 've had a rough week up there you know what they and this is the day that was supposed to be the uh, the walkout the big walkout day nationally. I don't know if any local schools are doing that. We'll get an update at that, I'm sure, here at the bottom of the hour. But the fact of the matter is, is what, you know, uh, strange, t- strange times up in Mason High School. Very strange. All right, coming up after uh, the news at the bottom of the hour, Jason Nathanson is going to join me. He is our Hollywood guy. He has been up since 4.30 this morning. And he went to bed late last night because he was at a red carpet event for a hit television show that stars one of the definitive actresses of our time. And so I want to get into some of these things that are going on with that. There's a couple of new movies that are going to debut this weekend, including uh, one that uh, stars, uh, I believe it's Amy Poehler, uh, that Emmy Schumer, I'm sorry, this debuts this weekend, I Fell Pretty. Uh, but the real one I want to get into with him is a movie that's just caught my attention. It's called A Quiet Place, and this is good. Emily Blunt stars in this, and the uh, gist of this movie is that um, aliens have invaded the Earth, and we know they're out there. It's just a matter of time before aliens invade the Earth. So this could be like you know a prequel to what our future is. But these aliens can't see; they can't they have, they have no ability, but they hear and they smell, and so you got to be very quiet. And he can't wear any perfume. And if you do, if you make a noise, they come and they eat you. So the movie is almost shot sans sound. There's no soundtrack. There's little, if any, dialogue. And the, the it's kind of like The Shape of Water. The Shape of Water was a wonderful movie if you could suspend reality for about two hours. And this is the same kind of movie, I think. But it's done box office business extraordinaire here in the last week. And they're thinking even this weekend it could be even bigger. So I want to get into that with with Jason Nathanson. Also, Superman turns 80, Harry Anderson is dead, and I'm not feeling so well myself. Scott Sloan, though, is doing great. He's off somewhere, on some beach, doing something. And uh, he'll be back next week. But until then, you got me. Ken Brew for Scott Sloan, 700-WLW. 700 700-WLW, 700 Ken Brew for Scott Sloan. Welcome back on this Friday morning. Good morning. Uh, Big, big night last night out on the left coast. And because of that, as we do each week at this time, we welcome in ABC News Entertainment correspondent, who maybe has toothpicks to keep his eyelids open, Jason Nathanson. Jason, good morning. How are you? I'm tired. Oh, my goodness. How do you keep those hours that you do?
11: Oh, I don't know. It's all about the money. That big radio <laughs> money, you know.
3: That's what it's yeah, about. Yeah, we're looking for that here. If you find it, let us let us know. Um we'll you went to the uh the red carpet premiere for uh Handmade Tale last night. Uh, tell what was that all about?
11: Yeah, that's, uh, season two, which comes out next week on Hulu. This is the reigning Emmy Champ is the best drama, of course. Uh, and, you know, they had a nice, uh, actually pretty big red carpet for, for a TV premiere. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, it was pretty, big. they cut, they shut down half of Hollywood Boulevard. They had it at the TCL Chinese Theater, uh, which is a pretty, pretty big deal. Usually that kind of thing is reserved for movies, not TV shows. Uh, but Hulu spent some cash, uh, I guess they have some cash. On it. uh elizabeth moss was there of course uh talked to her about what the second season holds and what the themes are and she mm-hmm. told me uh the one of the overarching themes of the second season is what does freedom look like you might think you have it um, but you may not yeah. um and motherhood as well because she's pregnant and uh it, i mean in the in the show she's pregnant yeah um and she's got to have this baby for this family and you give it up eventually and i mean it's, it's just yeah heartbreak. I've seen the first four episodes of the new season, um, and they are fantastic I mean the show really really comes back strong really really dark as the first season was Uh, but also it it injects that humor that really dark gallows humor at the right times or or else the show would be almost too dark to watch.
3: I love Elizabeth Moss she's kind of grown up before our eyes the West Wing and then Mad Men and now this I mean it's it's kind of there have been other actors and actresses that have done that throughout the course of, of various platforms but I mean she's kind of like the latest and it's kind of great to see her grow as an actress.
11: Absolutely. And she is so fantastic. I got to tell you, if you're a fan of Handmaid's Tale, uh, her performance in these, uh, at least the episodes that I saw, uh, is so good. I think uh, not a lock to win another Emmy, but I mean, it's very, very possible that she's going to repeat as an Emmy. And the third episode, she breaks your heart. She is just so good in it, and it is just heart-wrenching.
3: Can't wait to see that. Uh, we've got Coachella again this weekend, and Beyonce took it over last weekend. Allegedly, she's back this weekend, uh, but this is going to be a toned-down thing for her this weekend?
11: Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely she's going to be back. I don't know about toned-down. Um, she's going to. Uh, everybody was talking about her performance after last weekend. People saw it on YouTube, yeah. streamed it, and loved it. It was it, it was a viral moment, very powerful performance. She really brought it with all her backup dancers and choreography, and, and it was just really, really good. She says, or her backup dancer told Variety that they're going to change things up, so it's not going to be the exact same thing, which is nice because there, a lot of people saw that first yeah. one. Uh, so, for the audience going now for, uh, for the second weekend, things are going to be a little different, but we're not going to get to see it it's not going to be live streamed on youtube like last one
7: oh, okay. which
11: i think is a disappointment for yeah. a lot of people because i think a lot of people didn't catch maybe that last performance or maybe got a little bit of it it wasn't on youtube didn't replay it or it didn't it wasn't up there permanently uh so you couldn't really go back and watch it unless you found the the live feed where they were replaying it or you saw it on somebody's camera phone that they were holding from the audience which which usually sucks uh so if you wanted to i think a lot of people were hoping oh i'll just catch it next weekend uh but unfortunately they're not going to stream it
3: well while you were busy on the red carpet last night superman was blowing out candles on his cake he turned 80 the original comic book debuted yesterday 1938 And I, you know, I, I, I was into comics not so much anymore, but anything Superman I know is huge. Um, and this is, this is, if you want to talk about longevity and a platform for success on any level, I mean, Superman is probably it, right? 80 and he's still, he's still generating a new generation of fans over and over and over again. How does that happen?
11: It is pretty amazing that in 1938 the comic book came out, uh, and 80 years later we're still talking about yeah. it. If you had a copy of that comic book, by the way, that first ever action action comics number one, the last one sold in 2014 for 3.2 million dollars.
3: Oh my god!
11: If you have that uh, sitting in your attic somewhere, collecting dust, dust it out, you know, and, and treat it well because it could be worth something. Uh, but I mean, it, it's it's amazing. I think it's it, he. It's a lot of of what he represents, especially in this day and age. You can keep, uh, you know, kind of reinventing Superman. But he's a guy. He's he's an alien from another planet who comes down. Uh, and see, he, he has superpowers and he uses those powers for good to help people. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's very much what this country's about.
3: Didn't help George Reeves though. He didn't live to be 80, and he played Superman on TV.
11: Yeah, no, not him. or Christopher <laughs> That's you know, right. It, 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 it doesn't uh, hasn't gone well for a lot of those guys. Well, hopefully, Henry Cavill, who's currently playing him in the, in the movies, has a little better better luck.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, anyone that's of a certain age and that certain age would be someone who is a child of maybe the seventies uh, or the eighties. Remembers Harry Anderson and the TV show Night Court. Uh, he died far too soon at the age of sixty five. What do we what do we what do we know about that death? And what are your remembrances of Harry Anderson? <laughs>
11: Uh, one of his uh, friends had written on Facebook that he, that Harry Anderson had had uh, the flu or something, that somebody, he he was sick for a little bit. I mean, but 65 is still too yeah. young to die. Uh, police were called out to the home earlier this week, and he he was already dead. Uh, no foul place is uh, suspected, though, so, you know, he he was sick or something, but we didn't, he didn't have cancer or some kind of chronic yeah. disease that we know of, yeah. uh, at least, and and it, I was actually very surprised at the – I mean, you know, I loved Night Court. I watched him run as a kid. But the outpouring of support yeah. and love that I saw uh was surprising. I, I didn't know people were still so touched yeah. by Harry Anderson. Well, you know, back um, then,
3: Jason, that was over-the-air TV was still ruling the roost. I mean, the yeah. cable channels weren't really in the proliferation sure. they are right now. And so what did you watch? You gravitated to network television, right?
11: Right, but that was in the golden age of, you know, on NBC, the must-see TV with the Cosby show and Cheers and all that. And Cosby show and Cheers and some of those other shows got a lot more attention Mm -hmm. than Night Court. But, you know, a lot of people were watching Night Court.
3: Okay, we got some movies that are debuting this weekend. I want to talk to you about that. Hang on, Jason Nathanson, ABC News Entertainment Correspondent, as we cruise on this Friday on 700 WLW. (laughs) Welcome back, 700 WLW, Ken Brew for Scott Slomer with Jason Nathanson, ABC News Entertainment correspondent out in Los Angeles. Okay, so Amy Schumer has a uh, has a movie that debuts this week, in theater's all over the place here in the greater Cincinnati area, I Fell Pretty, where I guess the premise is uh, her character falls down, gets knocked out, wakes up, and believes she's the prettiest woman in the entire world. You know, that happened immediately six or seven times last month alone. So now I apparently somebody's stolen my idea.
11: Yeah, well, I mean, you should have trademarked that no. or copyrighted it or something, because yeah. uh, it's going to make some money this weekend. Not a whole lot of money. It's probably going to open behind her last few films, Trainwreck, and snatched uh, and critics are, are really mixed on it a lot of people are saying that the, the, just the concept alone it gets into this weird area of body shaming and not being comfortable mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of women say maybe it's not the most positive body image uh, that could be portrayed but Amy Schumer has tried really hard this past two weeks where she's been on the press tour to defend it and saying it's not what you think it is so you know I think some people will give it a chance for sure this weekend uh, but when it comes to box office it's not going to open near the top.
3: Yeah, you have to be in your seventies. But at one point, Lauren Hutton, who's in this movie, was considered one of the most beautiful women ever in the world. But uh, uh, so that opens this week. Super Troopers Two opens this week, and I think this is interesting. As successful as that first movie was, this one they had a, they had to go get crowdfunding for it, didn't they?
11: Well, because I, I don't know that anybody was clamoring
3: for a Super Troopers
11: Two. Uh, well, <laughs> I I maybe I, yeah. I think people, you know, the it, it's been. 17 years since the first one yep. which debuted in 2001 and I, I don't think there was a whole lot of people going you know what I can't wait for that Super Troopers 2 but you know it's back it's not going to do well at the box office it's probably not going to finish in the top 5 yeah. uh, but you know that's okay if you if, Today's four twenty, so if that's your deal, you're going to get out there and then do what people do on four twenty. Maybe
3: Super Super Troopers two is the movie for you. Four twenty, I love it. Uh, And uh, the other one, uh, as we mentioned, is is Schumer's movie. I don't think either one of them are going to beat Rampage or a Quiet Place. I mean, when you have the future president of the United States, Dwayne Johnson, starring in anything, and it's really Godzilla versus King Kong, I think this is. I I just think this thing is the buzz right now. Is it not?
11: Well, yeah, not really. Not it really. Open it didn't open. I mean, yes, it's going to. It's probably going to win the weekend. Uh, well, actually, a quiet place is probably going to win the weekend. Yeah. But the two of them are going to battle it out for first place. But a movie like Rampage should be tearing up the box office because you got Dwayne the Rock Johnson. There's no real other real action movies going on right now. It should be really dominating, and it's not dominating. The fact that A Quiet Place almost beat it last weekend and yeah. its second weekend and might return to the top this weekend uh, means that it's just it's one of those movies that. It's not maybe his best. He's actually saving it from total disaster right. territory. Right. Um, but really, it's all about... This weekend is just a placeholder as we get ready for the Avengers next weekend, yeah. which is going to destroy everything in its path for a couple weeks.
3: I'll tell you what, that A Quiet Place, the premise of that movie is absolutely fantastic. I'm going to see it this weekend. They okay. say Emily Blunt is just fantastic, and of course her husband, I believe, directed the film. and. Yeah. Uh, the premise. And, stars in it, and, and star- wrote it. Yeah. The premise is, is, uh, I mean, it's just absolutely mind boggling. And, uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the, the, I'm not going to give anything away, but I mean, it's, it's extraterrestrials take over the earth. They can't see, but they can hear and they can feel and they'll rip you apart if they think you're, they're in front of you. And, uh, the, the whole thing about, about silence and sign language and everything, somebody did some really strange drugs or some really big thinking <laughs> when they wrote that script.
11: Yeah, I mean, it's so good, and, and speaking of writing the script, like you said, you have to be quiet or else the aliens get you, and so the movie itself is almost a silent movie. There's almost no talking in it at all, Uh and, it, and for a movie like that to be so suspenseful, this is one of those films where, you know, in this day and age where I recommend go see it in the theater because that theater experience with a bunch of people around you the theater have been packed mm-hmm. and you go see it and you, and it's scary and people are jumping and you have to be quiet because the movie's quiet so you know people are trying to eat their popcorn real quiet right it, it's it's just a great experience right
3: it's always great having you on jason nathanson abc news entertainment correspondent thank you my friend take care a quiet place did you uh, happen to see The Shape of Water, which was a phenomenal movie. It was put together very well. You have to suspend reality to appreciate it. See, I get to see all these movies. I'll probably get to see A Quiet Place later on this year. Um, I belong to the Screen Actors Guild, not because I'm a screen actor, but to uh, for my, my TV job, the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists uh, was is part of the Screen Actors Guild. So each year I get to vote on on the awards that are handed out at the Screen Actors Guild. So I see all the movies and all the TV shows. I get full seasons of the TV shows and sit there, watch them, vote on them. It's tremendous fun. It's entertainment for at least a month. They usually come, uh, the DVDs usually come sometime in uh, mid-December. And I have to vote late January. So it pretty much consumes me entertainment-wise uh, for, the, uh, for the latter part of the winter. But... Um, I, I uh, the, the Shape of Water was a really well-done movie. I wouldn't call um, the overall script as interesting as A Quiet Place. But this Quiet Place looks like you've got to really suspend reality to see it. And uh, from what I've read about it, I am fired up. About uh, about going to see it stars Emily Blunt and her husband, who also happens to direct uh, direct. Macy Rampage. I don't know. I like Dwayne Johnson. I think he's funny in comedy roles. I don't think Dwayne Johnson in a you know in a I mean action action adventure flicks suit his personality. The whole wrestling uh, personality. I thought he was good. For example, in this offbeat movie that I keep watching every time it's on, it's called Be Cool. I think he's just hilarious. Whenever I see him on there, don't think I'll see Amy Schumer's I Feel Pretty nor Super Troopers, too. But I'm telling you, I may go see a quiet place. Spend your money, as you will, on entertainment. That's what I say. I offer no endorsements, no reviews, just that piece of advice. Straight ahead, we're going to talk about something that should be of real interest to you. If you happen to have a young child that plays sports. Because there is whole new theory and a lot of new evidence out on concussions and why it doesn't take a big blow to the head to do serious damage to your child's brain. Now, I'm not trying to alarm you. I'm just trying to educate. Ken Brew for Scott Sloan News Radio 700 WELD. 700 WLW, welcome back, Ken, for Scott Sloan on this uh, Friday. Had a lot of fun sitting here for Scott this week. He'll be back uh, early next week. You know, uh, there aren't a whole lot of things that get me excited, but this is pretty exciting. As you know, I host Sunday morning sports talk here on 700 WLW. And this Sunday at 10.05, I will be joined by the lead singer of one of my all-time favorite groups. And a group that has its roots right here in Cincinnati. I'll be joined by Mike Riley. Mike Riley of Pure Prairie League. Now, if you're a PPL fan, you know that that, that, that band has gone through a myriad of changes. Uh, the Goschhorn brothers uh, joined and left and joined again. Unfortunately, we lost Tim Goshorn about a year ago. But uh, they were in that. Their lead singer at one time was Vince Gill, who now is touring with the Eagles but Mike Riley has been there since the since the inception since the days of when they played the clubs in and around Clifton and uh so anyway so Mike's going to join me on uh Sunday at 1005 Eastern time because they play uh at uh the Ludlow garage this coming Friday one week, one week from today and uh, you talk about a group that has staying power I mean to stick around 45 years and have all the hits they've had so that's this Sunday 1005 I hope you can join me I, I don't watch the Megyn Kelly show all that much. In fact, frankly, I've only seen it once. And the one time I watched it, I knew Brett Favre was going to be on. And uh, I I've always liked Brett Favre. I like the way he's played the game of football. I just I just like him. He just seems like he was always a no nonsense guy. And maybe that's part of the reason why he's having the trouble he's having now. He he admitted on this show that he has suffered, and this is his words. These are his words. Probably thousands of concussions while playing football. And uh, we all know that concussions now can lead to a disease known as CTE. Uh, CTE has been linked to concussive and subconcussive head impacts common to football. And now there's this, a diagnosis of traumatic brain injury, doesn't matter whether it's mild, moderate, or severe, is now associated with an increased risk of developing Parkinson's disease. After a mild injury, usually called a concussion, the increased risk was about 50%. Moderate to severe raised that risk to 83%. And uh, as I'm sure you know, Parkinson's is incurable. So what do we do about this? Traumatic brain injury, particularly when it comes to organized sport, particularly when it comes to younger people, kids, teenagers, people like that. I think it's something parents need to sit up and take notice of. Lee Richardson is an expert in brain health, and she joins us now to talk about just this here on 700 WLW. Lee, good morning. Thanks for joining us. So let's talk about this, Lee, the, uh, the whole thing about, about traumatic brain injury and its link to Parkinson's. This is frightening stuff.
0: Well, you know, it is frightening stuff, but it makes a lot of sense. Because let's think, what is Parkinson's disease? It affects the way that you move. And it happens when there's a problem with certain nerve cells in the brain. How those neurons and dendrites are wiring and firing. And any time you hit your head, it impacts two things in the brain. It impacts on a neurochemical level, which impacts your neurotransmitters like dopamine, which is associated with Parkinson's. Um, and it impacts on the electrical level. Anytime you hit that that head, those neurons and dendrites change the way they're wiring and firing. So that's certainly going to change the way the brain can work. And whether it's a mild injury or a severe injury, they are still altering the way that the brain works.
3: Yeah, and I, I think I think we all have heard over the course of the last five years about CTE and players that have taken, football players, former NFL players that have taken their own lives because of CTE. And of course, not every player has done that. It's not as traumatic in some people that have played in the NFL as as others. But I think this now is a direct link to something other than CTE. Um, it may be a cause of Parkinson's. CTE may be linked to Parkinson's, but this is... This is now a real link to something that affects far too many people in our, in our society. So I guess the question, Lee, becomes, if you, if you play football, and there are a lot of people out there. You, you live in the Dallas area. It's huge down there in Dallas.
0: A lot of people, oh, football. We walk and talk football. I know
3: you do. And, and it's that way here in Ohio as well. Uh, there are a lot of parents that let their kids play at young ages, 8, 9, 10, into their teen years. Uh, this is not maybe the best thing for your kid to do, right?
0: Well, you know, in Texas, they're looking at actually passing a bill that says kids under the age of 12 mm-hmm. will have to wear a helmet when they play. And, I, you know, there's a lot of resistance to that, um, but there's also a lot of positive energy going towards that because the first, the first time you hit your head, you created some vulnerability, and then you hit it again. And once you open that door, the it's going to grow. You know, you hit your head and you can't just go to sleep. You know, parents will say, Julie, what do I do after a mild injury? Well, of course, don't don't let the kid get on the Xbox and overstimulate the brain. Sure. Um, you know, get some rest. The only time the brain can heal is when you're asleep. Those little glial cells can come out and clean up all that toxic waste. So you want to, reju- and the brain can rejuvenate when it's asleep. So you want to take care of the brain, but taking care of the brain doesn't stop the day after. When you get up and you go, oh, you know what, I'm not dizzy anymore, I'm not nauseous to my stomach anymore, everything's good. And the the sad part is, is a lot of times we'll say, okay, you're good, you can go back and do what you were doing. Um, and, And that's what's got to change. There's an organization called Impact, and they've created this impact testing And it gives you a baseline so that you know, you know, if you're playing sports, you know how your brain was working when you started. You have a concussion. You do the testing again. And I don't know, it's done a lot in Texas. Mm. I don't know nationwide, but you do the test again. And if your brain has changed the way it's wired and fine and performing, you don't go right back out on that field.
3: Well, here's, uh, here's my point about younger, younger, about kids, the, the. The brain isn't isn't fully developed. There's a lot of room inside that cranium, and so not that anybody— And there's
0: a lot of years. Yeah,
3: and you don't want—not that you want to have a concussion at any point in your life, but if you're a younger child and kids that are out playing football, 10, 11, 12 years old, uh, if, that, if that hit happens, that brain is going to whack off that cranium a lot harder because their, their, their brain simply isn't fully developed.
0: You're exactly right. And that brain isn't going to be fully developed until they're in their mid to late twenties. So what you start and down here in Texas, we have peewee football, man. We start, they start when they're six and seven. Yeah, Same here. Yeah. So you start that young and you create that vulnerability. That vulnerability is just going to get bigger and bigger.
3: Uh, you mentioned about what's going on down in Texas. Uh, the same thing in Illinois, um, uh, they're, they're, they're trying they're trying to get legislation passed inside of the Illinois uh, House, uh, all because of the it's the Dave Dewerson Act uh, to try and protect kids under twelve from uh, these kinds of injuries. They just want to ban all football until you're past the age of twelve. And you know I know you have to balance what's what's good and healthy athletically and keeping your body in shape. And I know you have to balance what's good and healthy for relationships built through things like sports, but it seems to me there shouldn't be anybody under the age of 12 playing tackle football.
0: I think there's. A, you have a huge following for
3: that train of thought. Well, why, why is it so difficult? Where's the resistance coming from, Lee, with these kinds of things? speak. I guess you could speak best to what's going on down in Dallas. They want to make kids wear helmets. From a, when they're 11 years, why wouldn't they be wearing helmets?
0: That's a really good question. Why wouldn't they? That they need to be. We all know that. But you know, let me throw let me throw another fact at you. Almost the same number of kids go to the emergency room from biking accidents, and do they have on helmets? They should.
9: Yeah. Yeah.
0: They should. But, you know, it's hard to create change. And when you look at the numbers, I was shocked to see how many, how close those numbers were between biking accidents and football accidents. Yeah. So there's a lot of resistance to change. There's a lot of people that, you know, I mean, they're born and bred football. Um, and and that's part of who they are and how they develop. And as a parent, you know, you look back and that's how you made your your best friend. Oh my gosh, that's how you got your first girlfriend, because your accomplishments on the football field. It's there's a lot of emotional memories associated with sure, that. Sure. And creating change within a system, and that system would be schools, um, churches, you know, all all of those systems, creating change within a system part. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I I no, I agree hundred percent. But I do think that this new study, and again, it's 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 it says that if you get one concussion, your chances of getting Parkinson's, is, you go up 56%. If it's just mild, if it's severe, it goes to 83%. I mean, my gosh, how much more research do we have to know that this, that, that head trauma is just, it's just horrid? And I, I think anything you can do to prevent that, and you can't prevent everything. But I think you can prevent it, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm getting preachy here, Lee, but I think you can prevent it by wearing a helmet if you bike, regardless of age, but certainly if you're younger, and by just putting a little common sense into when you're going to let your child go out and play some sort of contact sport. It doesn't have to be when you're 8, 9, and 10 years old. And I think if we get to that point, culturally in our society, I think a lot of this stuff is going to fall down, including CTE.
0: Well, and really, you're right. There is a lot of research that supports it, but there's some good common sense. For you guys out there listening, Google homunculus. There's a cortical homunculus. How do you spell that, Lee? H-O-M-U-N-C-U-L-U-S. Yes. And that is what I call the sensory motor strip in the brain. Every part of your body connects to your brain along that strip. So when you hit your head, is it not impacting your body? Of course it is. Sure it is. Sure it But, is. you know, Google that and look at that because it's, it's very entertaining to look at. And, you know, it shows you you don't need a lot of research. How about some good old common anatomy?
3: Uh, Lee Richardson, thebrainperformancecenter.com is where you can find her. And this, this to me, was fascinating when I saw it. It's always great having you on, Lee. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me.
3: Think about this sixty fifty six percent increase rate with just a mild concussion now you can get a mild concussion from doing anything you know you maybe you fall off a a bicycle, maybe you fall off the uh the stationary bike at a gym, maybe you get caught up in the treadmill you bump your head on the you know you know you're embarrassed you got a little bit of a cut, but who knows what you've done in there and c t e has long been linked with just professional football players. But it's not. Now here we see that that trauma to the head is linked to a to a disease that is to this point in our lives incurable. Parkinson's. I mean I'm telling you, if you've got a kid that wants to play Mom, that but my all my friends are if they're eight or nine or ten years old, put the brakes on. Put the brakes on. It'll be there when they're thirteen and fourteen. It'll be there. They can. It is
2: Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
3: Coming up on 1120-700-WLW. News Radio 700-WLW. Let's see. Getting up to 59 today. I just might. Have to see what's going on on the golf course when I'm done here. Uh, Tonight, clear, low 35. Tomorrow, patchy morning frost. Wasn't he a rapper? Patchy morning frost. Otherwise, mostly sunny. High 62. And then Sunday looks good. And uh, Monday looks good. Little clouds, but, you know, in the 60s. I'll take that. And I'll have another 48 at the Tri-State Severe Weather Station, News Radio 700, WLW, 1135, Daria Albinger. She's going to stop by and talk about this Godzilla versus King Kong battle going on between Walmart and Amazon. Who do you root for there? That's kind of like, uh, you know, that's like rooting for U.S. Steel against, I don't know, somebody. You can't really want anybody to you know to win that one it's like when the Steelers play the Patriots, who do you root for right? can they both lose anyway uh Walmart against Amazon coming up today at eleven thirty five today is also four twenty day you know what four twenty day is right oh if you know if it's four you know if if you know if you know four twenty you're <laughs> you're probably not listening to me right now, but today is also National Lookalike Day. Do you have a doppelganger out there somewhere? You know, uh, celebrities that look like other celebrities. Somebody did a really nice morph picture up there, and, and it looks like it's Homer Bailey and Christian Bale, and it just kind of like fades one into the other, and one is Homer Bailey, one is Christian Bale. But you ever have you ever been told you look like somebody, and like, well, no, or have you ever been mistaken for somebody? This is a true story. There was an actor of some note back in the um, late 80s and early 90s, who was on one of those uh, initial shows, NCSI, NICE, ABCDEFG, one of those cop shows that I think CBS ran. Dude's name was David Caruso. Remember David Caruso? There was a time in my life when I was not quite as, as wrinkly as I am now. We're People thought that I was David Caruso; that I kind of looked like this dude, right? I had to look up who David Caruso was. But anyway, um, the, the 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 thinking was that everybody thought that I was like David Caruso's brother. So I'm out of Denver, and this is in the early '90s, and I'm doing the the, uh, the Bengals games on uh, on 55 uh, KRC was carrying at the time. And so the night before the Bengals played on a Sunday, the Broncos, there was a basketball game at the arena that the uh, Denver Nuggets were playing in. So I went to see the basketball game. Bought a ticket, went in. I'm, I'm sitting like in the cheap seats, and these people keep walking by and looking at me and looking at me. And I'm thinking either all of these people are from Cincinnati and watch whatever television station I was on at the time or – Maybe I've got food on my face somewhere, or I'm drooling. And finally, this guy comes up to me and he says, "Can I have your autograph?" And I'm thinking, well, he's got to be from Cincinnati. So I start, I start talking to this guy. He's from LA, and I said, uh, "I said, yeah, you're from LA." He Goes, "Yeah, man, I love the, I love that." And he starts reeling off these these episodes in this. Uh, NYPD six eight four. Whatever the show was that David Caruso was on. So I said, sure, I'll be happy to give you my autograph. Absolutely. So the guy goes back, and he uh he brings his wife down. It's like halftime. Brings his wife. They want to pose for a picture. I pose for the picture and everything, and they you know take the picture. And he says, would you sign this? And it's just like it's like a program, you know, from the game. So I sign it and I sign it. Ken Brew. And the guy looks at it and he looks at me and looks back down at the uh, program. He goes, I knew it. He says, you guys never use your real names on TV, do you? I go, yeah, but sh- don't tell anybody I'm here, okay? I'm just trying to watch the game. I was, okay, yeah, no, no problem. I get it. I get it. Then he comes back down about 30 seconds later. He's got his wife. He goes, we can't tell him what his real name is. I said, yeah, please don't. What are you doing here? Working on a new TV show, I just don't want it to get out, if that's okay. I always wondered whether that guy, like three, four, or five days later, looked at Ken Brew. Who the hell is this guy? It's coming up on 1130 News Radio 700 WLW. I read the news today, oh boy. Good. Welcome back. Ken Brew for Scott Sloan. Top of the hour, Willie is in. Thank God for certainties in life. Willie is in at the top of the hour. Among his guests will be Amy Murray. Met Amy for the first time here uh, earlier this week. Uh, Really enjoyed visiting with her. She's got her hands full. They all do down there. I just don't think they like each other, to be truthful about it. But, like I say, that's their problem. They'll figure it out. Willie with Amy Murray today at 12.05. By the way, the market is down. The uh, Dow is down at what appears to be a Friday sell-off, One seventy. And change with about uh four and a half hours of trading to go, I raise that because i don't know whether you uh you've noticed, but Amazon is trying to take over everything it seems like uh they 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 just, they're they're everywhere it's it's convenience gone amuck if you're an amazon prime customer, you order something like now it could be delivered within two hours you pay a little extra but it's it could be delivered like within now. And uh, Walmart is is as they say back in the old neighborhood fixing to take that on. Uh, a couple of days ago, uh, the president and CEO of Walmart, their e-commerce guy, said they're redesigning their website to provide customers with more digital shopping experience, a more modern digital shopping experience. They're going to roll this thing out in May, and uh, this uh, this guy Mark Lore is his name. He says. Customers who are using the website to purchase groceries want the ability to reorder quickly, while those in the market for furniture want to be inspired as they browse different items. And, uh, I don't know, it was maybe a month ago when, uh, when Walmart, no, Amazon, posted uh, partnered with Postmates. That's that on-demand delivery service that gets more orders into consumer homes quicker. And I'm thinking, Amazon... Against Walmart, who do you you root for at that point? We are being enveloped by big box companies, and we don't even know it, just enveloped by it. And so I I, I thought it might be a good time to raise that topic. And I think I found somebody uh, that maybe might be able to lend some, I don't know, some perspective to all this and whether or not Amazon versus Walmart is all that good. Let's bring in from ABC News uh, one of their great correspondents, Daria Allbiger, who is here today to talk about Amazon and Walmart, two bohemians, Daria, that are going at each other. I like it when Godzilla fights King Kong. I I love it.
9: Don't you like that? I mean, and it's like one says, "Okay, we're going to do this," and the next one says, "Oh yeah, we'll watch this." I mean, you know, first we watched with you know Amazon, and then Walmart buying Jet. You know, and then you saw you know well we're going to ship it for this much, and then Walmart says, "Well, we're going to ship it for even less, and we're going to make it you know even even quicker." I'm just waiting to see who's going to bring in the, who's really going to bring in the first drone and who's going to drop you know the package on on my doorstep. Uh, I haven't I, seen that yet. But. I
3: haven't either, but I mean, my 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 money would be on Amazon, right? I mean, they've kind of They're, yeah kind of got the lead step in this, don't they? Yeah,
9: absolutely. I mean, it, it, you know, it's like the big truck pulls up at least once, once a week to my house with stuff from Amazon or Jet because I have both accounts. Yeah. And um, there's really no need for me to ever, ever go to a store again. You know, but some are wondering if the future for these companies is small. In what way? In that they actually partner with local businesses.
3: Oh, yes. Mom yes.
9: and pop businesses, yeah. you know, kind of more of a goodwill thing. Don't put them out of business. But of course, we're going to have to wait and see because the thing that's going to drive this one way or the other is the kind of dollars that can be made on it.
3: Well, let me, let, 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 let's get into that con- uh, discussion because we heard what President Trump said a couple of weeks ago and he's always at war with, with the guy that owns Amazon. But it just seems like. He tried to make a point that Amazon is killing the United States Postal Service, which seems to me to be a bit of a stretch. Because I still see post offices, and I still see lines. it can't possibly be happening: could it? No,
9: and it's not. and, and Amazon, you know it, it, they did they crunched the numbers on that, and, and you know and we're not this is nothing political here. It's just you know facts, pure and simple numbers. and, and Amazon is not hurting the post office in terms of you know not, not paying enough for shipping, not paying taxes you know in any way, shape or form, because some of the things that you're getting right now from Amazon. Could not be delivered
3: by the post office—at yeah. least
9: not in the way that Amazon is delivering them right now.
3: So this Amazon Walmart thing is basically apparel sales, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. that's the that's the first front, but you have to believe yeah. there would be other fronts, right?
9: Absolutely, it's going to whatever right now the one company is doing that the other is not doing, and in this case, it was Walmart because you know Walmart was a place where people went to buy clothing, right? In, right, in addition right. to other things, and until Amazon came out with its Amazon Basics line not too long ago, you really couldn't find much in the way of apparel on Amazon, and and if, you know, you could find it, it was something that you could buy somewhere else as well. So uh, that's,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The other thing I was going to ask you, I wouldn't want to be someone that uh, is in the boardroom at Wells Fargo today, huh? You know what? What's that all about?
9: You know, this, a lot of people are saying, how is this company still in business? <laughs> I mean... I know. Aside from the fact that you know they hold a lot of mortgages, until very recently they had my mortgage, you know, so I'm sure that was that was one of the ways that they stay, you know, that they've been staying in business is, you know, having a very large mortgage arm. But the mortgage business is one of the things that's under the under the uh, microscope right now, and its auto lending business because Wells Fargo is accused right now of. Trying to open fake loans for a number of for some people in order to advance the sales. Fake on that loans? Part of it's, yeah, fake. I'm sorry, I, I stand corrected. Auto insurance, big oh my there. fake there. Yeah. Fake auto insurance there. I apologize. Uh, fake fake auto insurance accounts in order to you know to advance sales, just like it did on its its credit card and. Um, and checking account scandal not too long ago. And it could get more than a slap in the, on the wrist for this, Ken. It could oh, get how?
3: a $1 billion fine. Why would somebody even try and do something like that? I mean, I know there's arrogance and deceit, but I mean, at that level, why would somebody even think that could possibly not go wrong?
9: You know, it, that's a very good question because you're talking about a company that makes a lot of of money. No. You know, a, a company that, that also prides itself, if you look at any of its advertising, on being a good corporate citizen, doing a lot for the community. Well, some would say, this isn't very, this is not a very uh, humane type thing to do if you're trying to help people in your community. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see, what, you know, what happens. By the way, it is going to be, you know, you want to be, you want to be first usually? Sure. Probably not in this case. No. no. This no. is the first fine against a bank by the Trump administration since Nick Mulvaney, uh, took over the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau in late November.
3: All right, you're you're so. you're uh, you're working Wall Street, obviously. Uh, it's been a rocket ride the last couple of months. We had a nice ride from about the uh, November t- 2016 to the first of this year. You got crystal ball for us. Just tell us today. <laughs> Just tell us today, Derry, is it going to be all right today?
9: I sure hope so. And I'll tell you what, Ken. If I had that answer, I would not be in this business. But you know what? You have to remember, we're you know we're going to see highs and we're going to see lows. And and like I said, I am not an expert. I watch the markets just like you do, yeah. um, maybe a little more closely because that's what I have to do for my job most days. But the thing to remember is we're trading at a level that we haven't seen. Ever before. So when we see the market drop, it's going to drop by a lot more than we may be comfortable seeing. But remember, it's going to rise again. And it's going to rise um, by numbers that we're very comfortable Good. seeing. <laughs> Good. That's what I want. I want to see it rise and I want to be
3: comfortable. Absolutely. Uh, Just keep
9: uh, going up, right?
3: Absolutely. Lucky
2: Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void by prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Maria allbringer thank you so much. She uh, is the Wall Street. She knows what's going on. She said she just watches said, but she really knows what's going on. Thank you so much. She knows what she's talking about. I mean, I, you know, as you reach a certain age, not that I am in that category, but you know, as you reach a certain age, you, uh, you pay attention to the market. Now, my guy, my investment guy, he tells me the last thing you should do is start looking at your, at the, uh, at the, at the Dow and what it does on a daily basis. He said, that's kind of like taking a book and putting it right up against your nose. However, I don't see well. But anyway, he said, "What you should do is just, just, just look at it. It's kind of like stepping on a scale in your bathroom. Don't weigh yourself every day. Weigh yourself once a week, or weigh yourself once a month. And it's the same way with uh, with your portfolio. And I, again, and I, I, I always say this: even if you don't play the market, even if you're not invested in stocks, your future is invested in that because invariably your company has some sort of savings plan that it matches, a 401k, or your company may be a publicly traded company, and its fortunes, high or low, will affect whether or not they continue to have robust employment or employment not so good. So you got to keep your eye on it. You just don't have to be obsessed with it. But it has been a rocket ride since the first of the year. I'm telling you, this Amazon-Walmart thing, I don't know who I root for in that. You know, can they, can, they, can they both lose? You know, can Shirley and Jack's, you know, clothing store over there in Pierce Township, can that win once? Really? And by the way, I don't need something delivered like an hour after I get it unless it's a defibrillator. I, You know, if I order, you know, the latest gizmo for my computer, I don't really need it two hours later. Just, you know, put it in a box and let it get there. You know, Monday is fine. I know, sometimes I sound like a crabby old man. Ken Brew for Scott, Scott Sloan, 700 WLW. I can actually play this on my guitar. Not quite as fast as Joe's playing here. Uh, uh, This is Joe Walsh, I'm sure you know. Joe's touring with the Eagles. It's billed as an evening with the Eagles, which uh, I think several people have had in their lives. Anyway, they're going to be all over the U.S. and Canada this summer, and I think they wind up in Cleveland like in October. Don't think they're coming here, though. Seven four nine seven thousand one eight hundred the big one pound seven hundred on AT and T. Welcome back to the shoot, Willie, and today at twelve oh five, and then it's Eddie and somebody because Rocky's out of town. Well, we'll figure that out as the uh, as the uh, as at the uh, Eddie and who? Oh, Mark Blazer. All right, seven four nine seven thousand. Let's go out to Loveland. Here is David. David, welcome to the show.
5: Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, Joe Walsh, man, he's hanging
3: around. You know, I, when Joe Walsh was 25, I didn't give him five more years. Yeah, me neither. I mean, that, he looked like he was 70 when he was 25. I <laughs> saw this guy. I'm thinking, this guy's not going to make 30. He's still around, still man. Still kicking around, man. Maybe it's all that preservatives he's got in. him.
5: Oh, oh, come on now. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, that topic you brought up and uh, about how – Other people look like other people. I mean, you know, you're dead on for Mr. Caruso. I I mean, does that bother you at all?
3: No, it probably bothers him if somebody said it to him. But (laughs) it's been at least, I would say, at least a half dozen times uh, when I've been out of town, people have actually come up to me and started a conversation with me like I was him. And it's one of those things where you know at first I just say, well, no, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not him, but thank you. To it got to a point, I think maybe well, the second or third. Have you ever done
5: that? Said, yeah, I'm him. I'll sign your
3: autograph. Well, I never said I was him, but I always engaged the other person. Well, not always, but a couple of times I engaged the other person as if I was him. I said, well, what are you working on? Oh, I'm working on this <laughs> new TV show. It's going to be. Well, where's it going to be? I think it could be, you know, on TNT. Oh, you, you got to play with it just a little bit, and then it, it got to it got. It's like you know. But I mean, it it was when I was much younger, not not as I am today. But when I was younger,
5: you're more mature now.
3: Well, I'm older looking. I don't (laughs) know what he looks like because I don't think he's been on TV in like forever. But but yeah, it uh, it went on. It went on quite a bit. Thank you, David. And I, you know, at a certain point, you don't want to play somebody for a, you know, for a fool. But I did have fun with it a couple of times. Gotta gotta admit that. All right. So, uh, uh, Willie is coming up next. I'm back in here tomorrow leading into Reds baseball. And we'll see what happens with the Reds beginning tonight under new manager Jim Riggleman. Uh, the Reds roundup with the Cowboys coming up, Dave Armbrister and, uh, and Jeff Brantley. And I guess uh, 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 Yiddy is going to ask him about the first time he ever got slapped around on the mound by some major league hittin'. We'll see how the Cowboy handles that. And then, of course, tonight it's the Reds and the Cardinals right here on 700 WLW. And I'm back in to lead into their game tomorrow because it's a two ten start tomorrow out in St. Louis. And then back in here Sunday for Sunday morning sports talk. And I, I, it's, I've got a lot to tackle this Sunday because I've got the NFL draft coming up next week. And the Reds have the first-round selection at uh, number 21. The Reds have also, uh, I mean, the Bengals do it at 21. The Bengals have also been taking out a little water with the national media. Uh, Mike Brown got slapped around by USA Today today, and uh, so we're going to get into that. Also, if the, the Reds are valued at $1 billion, and even though that's the bottom two or three in baseball, the Yankees are valued at $4 billion. This is all from Forbes magazine within the last couple of weeks. Why is it? That they wouldn't spend more money on some help for their team this past off season, I know if, if a company is valued at a certain dollar, it does not necessarily mean you could get that for your company on the open market, but I want to get into that as well, and then of course some uh, some basketball talk as well, so that's all coming up on Sunday. Willie is next I'll see you Saturday on the home of yours Cincinnati Reds news radio seven hundred w l w
2: When your business needs a feature-rich portfolio of storage and data protection solutions, look no further than Dell EMC. Dell EMC's offerings meet today's real-time performance needs, such as VMAX all-flash storage, as well as long-term archival and protection of critical business data, leveraging data domain backup appliances. Encore Technologies, a Dell EMC titanium partner, will work with you to address your modern data challenges, providing the right solution in a data-centered world. Visit Encore.tech.
7: Stone Statements is the area's granite expert with over 1,000 slabs in stock. Locally owned and offering over 90 years of combined experience, Stone Statements guarantees all their work and can complete your project within a week. Learn more today at stonestatements.com. That's stonestatements.com. When
5: employers like 700 WLW and TQL choose Delta Dental of Ohio, employees access the nation's largest selection of individually contracted dentists and get the care they
7: need from dentists they prefer. Delta Dental. We do dental better. DeltaDentalOH.com
2: The Reds are on the is Red's Roundup with the Cowboy, presented by United Dairy Farmers, brought to you by Napa Auto Parts, and by Acute Hearing on 700 WLW, the home of the Reds. When you think about fresher and better, you might think, mm, But how about... <laughs> UDF has locally roasted coffee, made-to-order malts, fresh ingredient sandwiches, and so much more.
0: Try UDF's Sanfermin brew. This single-origin coffee was harvested just weeks ago in Colombia, shipped to Cincinnati to be micro-roasted, then delivered to your neighborhood UDF to be fresh brewed just for you. UDF Sanfermin coffee is fresher, better, and available for a limited time at UDF.
5: Why should you go to acute hearing centers instead of one of their competitors? It's all about value. They add value to your life. Acute Hearing has been a part of the greater Cincinnati area for over 68 years with multiple convenient locations to serve you. They've invested in technology that gives you a customized solution for your hearing needs. Hearing screenings are at no charge. Just call 888-669-1342 or go to acutehearingcenters.com. Years of experience in the latest hearing technology. Acute Hearing, changing lives through better hearing. The Reds and Cardinals kick off a three-game series tonight at Bush Stadium. Jeff,
7: we witnessed a couple of young Reds pitchers, Tanner Rainey, and Zach Weiss make their Major League debuts this season, and in both cases, it really didn't go well. Rainey gave up a grand slam in his first appearance. Weiss allowed four runs without recording an out in his debut. Both are highly thought of in this organization, and the front office is not going to give up on them after one outing. But... What can an outing like that do to a rookie's confidence? I
1: imagine in a situation like that, you start to question your own stuff. Well, I I think there have been a lot of guys that that have come to the big leagues and had a first outing or two and think, oh, man, this is really difficult. As you move along, you, you continue to make small incremental adjustments. You have to better your location. You have to be more consistent with your mechanics. You have to make sure that when you go in, you get the ball in and you don't leave it out over the plate. The, the problem that you have at the major league level is when you make a mistake, it does, it's not forgiving. They hit it and they hit it hard. Sometimes they hit it out of the ballpark. In the minor leagues, when you make a mistake and it's in the middle of the plate, they may pop it up, they may hit a long fly ball, or they might just get a single. Up here, they destroy it because they're the best of the best. Do you remember the first time you were roughed up in the big leagues? Oh, yeah. I I remember my first time out there. I remember the way the ball came off the bat. It was different than, than anything that I'd ever seen. and. the the part that you have to fight against is trying to throw harder than what you're actually physically capable of. And I think that's when your adrenaline kicks in, you think I'm just going to reach back and really throw this one hard and they'll never hit it. When in actuality, it's better to have a more crisp thought process locate your pitches in a better spot and change speeds better within a strike zone and then that gets out much more efficiently than just rearing back and seeing how tough you can be. When a ground ball
4: hits the dirt
1: and takes a high hop, it's called a chopper. When
4: a shovel hits the dirt before you contact 811, that is called dangerous. For any digging project, contact 811 two days before you
5: start and find out where those underground utilities are located. This is a free service and will make you safe at home and on the job.
4: A message from your Tri-State 811 Partners in Safety.
1: We've all heard those commercials where nursing schools sell the fact that nursing classes are the only ones you have to take. At Thomas thomasmoore.com. Our nurses take theology, philosophy, and ethics, and learn to think critically and analytically, which is why our nursing graduates have a 100% passing rate and are sought after throughout the region. I'm Dave Armstrong from Thomas More. If you want to be a nurse with the essential skills that make you stand out above the rest, then go to thomasmore.edu to see how our nursing program gives you more at Thomas More. The
2: rats are on the radio. You've been listening to Red's Roundup with a Cowboy, presented by United Dairy Farmers and brought to you in part by Thomas Moore College and by Contact 811 before you dig on 700-WLW, the home of the Reds.
1: Napa Know How. You can tell a lot about a person just by looking at their lawn. So if you man your own mower, NAPA has select lawn and garden batteries for just $21.99 with exchange. That's right, just 21 dollars to uphold your good name and show the neighbors what a quality cut really looks like. Quality parts, helpful people. That's NAPA know-how. NAPA
5: know-how.
1: At participating NAPA auto parts stores, Offer Expires 4-30-18.
7: Nixco Plumbing offers good old-fashioned honesty, valuable service, and upfront pricing that won't change during the job. Quality, experience, service. That's Nixco.
2: Schedule a service call today at nixcoplumbing.com. That's nixcoplumbing.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
9: Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire,
3: huh?
2: Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.